Thank you, friends. So grateful to be here with each of you, those of you I can see and those of you I cannot see. Let's go to God before we address the scriptures. God, you who are beyond all things, we trust that as the words of the song remind us that your peace is what will make us one, that in our fractured and distant state that we are unified by that which is centrally true about you, the peace which passes all understanding of our human minds. We ask that it might transform us. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. In the beginning was a peaceful world. We know about that first garden. We can imagine what it might have been like, but we certainly do not see anything like it in our world. No matter how often someone might compare something to a Garden of Eden, we can only take a stab at what it would have looked like. We can try to imitate it, like the gathering of statues in Lucas, Kansas, as if we could recreate it. But we know that the world that used to exist, this perfect garden, is beyond our grasp. Our Advent focus this week is on a peaceful kingdom. And we could use the text from Genesis chapters 1 through 3 to talk about this perfect garden where humans and animals were living together in peace with God among them. But we know that we cannot go back to that Eden. That door is closed for us, or maybe more accurately, the gate is blocked. The choice of humans to covet the knowledge of good and evil meant that they and all of us who come after them could not return to it. It's kind of depressing if you think about it too long. Because of this, if we dream about this peaceable kingdom and we look at that inaccessible past as our example, we might feel frustrated or stopped or irritated by our lack of access to that concept of this perfect, peaceful garden. So instead, we're going to consider a current and future peaceful kingdom, one that is found in the book of Isaiah, a world that is both in reach of us and still yet beyond us. Last week, you may remember that we talked about the challenges of living in a world that is not fulfilled, and we discussed how we can be conscious of the shared suffering of all of creation. We talked about the importance of hope in considering this groaning of creation will not last forever. And a reminder of the joy that all of creation carries, knowing that one day it will be completely restored. So this week, we're going to remember the many ways our world is challenged and struggling and suffering, and we are going to imagine with the scripture, a better, more peaceful world where things are made right. You may remember that the writers of the New Testament often use the Hebrew scriptures from their religious background and upbringing to make statements about the life of Jesus. This isn't done to change the prophecies or original setting of the text, but to add another layer of understanding and interpretation. Jesus, who they saw as this 
true end to all prophecy was discussed in many different ways. And we're going to use that lens as we look at the book of Isaiah today to ask questions about what comes for peace in this kingdom. So let's read from Isaiah chapter 11. We're going to do 1 through 9 from the New Revised Standard. A shoot shall come up from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge for the poor and decide with equity for the oppressed of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion will feed together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, the young will lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. So our first question as we approach this text is about the person that is depicted in it. Who is this on whom the Spirit of the Lord shall rest? So this text is imagining a new future person in power for the people of God. This part of Isaiah's book is from before Israel went into exile. But it's also shortly after the death of one of the best kings in Israel's history, especially within this latter period of unification. This book of Isaiah starts by saying that this king has just died. And so Israel is watching the armies of their enemies begin to close in. They're watching their powers that are around them start to pick off cities. They know that danger is near for them. Their king, good and righteous, is gone. And the consequences of centuries of their action and inaction are about to come crashing down on their heads. There is no peace on the horizon, not for Israel. And the chapter before this one describes their people as a cut-down tree, expressing their own awareness of the fragility of their situation, the state in which they find themselves. The people of God had not been acting like the people of God for a long time, and they were about to bear the consequences of that time. So in light of terrible mistakes and terrible world circumstances, we see this promise in Isaiah 11 of this new world. And specifically, this is a vision for their community to be led by someone who fears God above all other things. The next thing that we notice is that the person who is in power here does not make hasty choices. They don't 
base their decisions because of what they've heard from someone else. They don't make important choices by rumors. Instead, they make decisions out of justice and righteousness. And their decisions, which affect all of creation because of their role in this story, in this future world, are made with consideration first for those who are suffering, not for those who are strong, not for those who wield their power like swords to control, to harm. The vulnerable are cared for at the expense of those in power. This new child leader follows the instructions of the Holy Spirit first, allowing the desires of God to lead. We should notice that the scripture does not use in this passage the language of king to describe this person. It doesn't talk about military might, as would have soothed the anxious hearts of these people. It doesn't talk about social and political power and structures that would be rebuilt around Israel's nation. And the only killing that is done in this text is when the words and decrees and laws from the mouth of this child slay those who are wicked. This one who is coming does not come for power, does not come with a sword in their hand, does not seek a crown or a throne, does not even work to get their names and values on a ballot. They come instead to bring justice, to change the world by remaking and writing creation, especially for those who are hurt, especially for those who are pushed down, pushed around. Another distinct difference we see about this character in Isaiah 11 is that unlike many of the rulers of the ancient Near East, he is not imagined as one who slays lions to prove his right to rule. That would have been traditional. We see it in the art of this time and these cultures. Even King David, not tremendously long before this book, is told early on, he tells of how he used to kill lions when they'd come for his flock. That establishes his right to rule. But, and that's the kind of thing you would expect from a king and from a king of this time, and from this fractured and violent world, that's the kind of king they're looking for, to solve the problems of the chaos of their time. But instead, this child does something else to those lions. He remakes them. He eliminates their instinct for violence. He takes away that threatening and predatory impulse, and it's now absent. It's almost inconceivable to us. You've all met cats, but not to the scale of a large one like a lion that isn't predatory. Does it even count as a lion, according to taxonomy, if it's not a predator? It is inconceivable to us, but this example is a demonstration of the kind of power this child will wield. To make and to remake what we see as natural, as essential, as unmovable, unchangeable in the pursuit of peace. And so this remaking is the focus of this 
description of what the new kingdom of peace will look like. Lions, once known for consuming their prey in some pretty disgusting ways, they now lie peacefully alongside young calves, eating straw as if they were cows in a barn. Deadly snakes would now be held with ease in the hands of careless toddlers. And the most protected of snakes' nests are just playgrounds for children. Wolves would live without threat to those they once consumed. Lifelong enemies now unharmed and unharming. The language of this passage is intended to be inconceivable to us, impossible to imagine, because this new peaceable kingdom is a remade world, a world which is at some sense against nature itself. That nature has been changed in a level that is bone deep. It is a world that is completely at peace. And for the people of this time, those who are receiving these prophecies in Isaiah, this world of peace would have been a fundamental shift for them to what they were seeing and what they were experiencing because this description goes as far as to change nature, to reorder the priorities of creation so that peace could be found. And it is that promise that the people will hold on to in their time of great suffering. The promise that says life can come from death in the world of God. That a green shoot of fresh growth can come from a cut-off stump of a tree. It's a promise that says a deadly enemy can be your peaceful neighbor. A promise that what you see as fundamental to the reality of the world may be destroyed entirely in the pursuit of peace for all of creation. And that promise is imagined through this coming ruler. So considering what we know about prophecy, we can be sure that Israel, at various points in their history, understood this prophecy to come true. But we also see it as a larger truth about God's character and work in the world not just for this one community at this one time. It was true when Isaiah prophesied it, and it is true now. The promise will remain long when every record written and oral of it has passed away. And the promise is this, a peaceful kingdom is coming. It will come and it will change everything so that true peace may be found. And true peace is not one where one party holds greater power over another, but where equity exists. And true peace is not found with threatening stances, but in mutual trust and righteous character. True peace not found with a heavy hand of force, but with the freedom to live and the freedom not to harm. Within ourselves, this feels impossible. In the world of creation and within our own hearts, true peace seems as distant as using a snake for a baby's rattle. But we believe that Christ's power is for transformation and for change, and that no world of righteousness and peace is beyond Christ's capacity to bring it about. And if so, 
we must be self-aware and consider our own resistance to that peaceful kingdom, our hesitations about what that new world will look like. We have to be honest about our fears. But know this, you who are beloved of God, whatever is within you that is not by nature peaceful or not by your own nurture peaceful, God can remake you. Whatever that is within you that is violent in instinct, God can recreate you. Whatever threatening impulse bubbles up when you find yourself in a corner, when you feel afraid, God can remove it from you. Whatever is a part of you you are afraid to look at for fear of becoming someone you don't wish to be, God can change it fundamentally. Whatever storms you carry in your heart and your mind, no matter how long they have been raging, God can calm them. No part of the universe is inhospitable ground for the tools that God uses to make peace. No element of you cannot be made peaceful by the hand of God, and no resistance within ourselves or the world will stop this peaceful kingdom from being brought into existence. Joining this peaceful kingdom means to be reformed, remade, recreated into a person of peace, seeking justice and righteousness for all people. To believe, as the people receiving Isaiah's prophecy did, that this peaceful kingdom could even happen, was to believe in the promise that no one and no thing would be able to harm or destroy on the holy mountain of God. If the creation, and especially the creation like us who were under contract with God, would commit to this world order of peace, then they would see more surprising things than the stories of Isaiah 11. It would mean, however, that they would have to make peace a priority. Not just the concept of peace, not a lit candle and dim lights and quiet piano music. Peace was not a passive reality, but a choice. And this peace required changes to their own actions and priorities. Peace would mean not fighting to get ahead of everybody else. And peace would mean offering trust to someone even when you know with certainty it will not be returned. And peace means standing up to resist when those who are vulnerable are being harmed, even if you're actually in the group of people who usually harm them. Peace means remaking of self, rewiring of self-preservational instincts, restoring and getting away from these impulses of one-upping each other and striking out against others and resisting letting people in. All of these things which are ingrained in us, the peaceful kingdom is worth sacrificing all of it. That remaking is done not on the power and capacity of creation, not on our own backs, not on our own strength and capacity, but by the power of God is it allowed to occur. And it is by the justice and righteousness of the words of this child 
that peace will come about, that wickedness will be slain. And when this occurs, those who have chosen peace, this peaceable kingdom, will shine like a beacon. Light clearly in the world because by their example and choice of peace, so the whole world will be filled with the knowledge of God. Later in Isaiah, the prophet says, when that happens, the deserts themselves will be filled with blooms. There will be streams and springs across the hot, dry desert ground and the sand will be turned into pools of cool water. The whole earth will be remade into a peaceful creation, one that gives glory to their maker, one that shares the message of peace with the world. For many of us here, when we hear the story of this child, we believe that this is the coming Christ. We believe that the peaceful kingdom is one whose values are from the person of Jesus, from the character of God, from the truth of God. And if these things are true, then we wait for Christ to come. And we take the time of Advent to become people of peace, remade, that we might participate in this kingdom alongside all of creation. You've been listening to me, Pastor Kana Moore, at Hayes Christian Church. Hayes Christian Church is a non-denominational fellowship in Hayes, Kansas. We are supported by the generosity of our members, attenders, and friends. The financial support we raise goes to projects which further spread the gospel to those who do not yet know Jesus, to those local, national, and international missions, and they help keep these podcasts free. If you would like to share a monetary gift with us, please visit our website at hayeschristianchurch.org and click on the donate button. Or you may mail your gift to P.O. Box 1111, Hayes, Kansas, 67601. If you have any questions, comments, or would like more information, we would love to hear from you. Simply go to our website and click on the Contact Us form. Thank you for your generosity, and may God bless you as you seek to follow Him.